0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome to the much-awaited Finally, returning episode of the DTF podcast. It is Thursday, September eighth. My name is Rob Doster. I have my two lovely, lovely co-hosts here with me: the one and only John Fanta and Terrence Oglesby, who uh, finally figured out how to get Mike mic to work, which is great. Big, proud of you, T.O. Way to go! There was uh, rusty. Jelly.
2: We we do shows once every two months during the summer. Like. <laughs> like we got to do we, it. Was rusty.
1: It wasn't working. I hardly use it. Yeah, You, you, you don't use best, it, man. you lose
2: it, Doster. You don't use it,
3: you lose it.
1: Fair, fair, fair. What's going on, Terms gentlemen? How have been in Fanta? Fanta? how was your August, man?
3: <laughs> August was good. Summer's in the books. Fall is perhaps my favorite season of the year because here we go. We're ramping up. I've got my Cleveland Browns golf shirt on. I know it's been a horrendous off season for my football team, but guys, we are college basketball people, and I think all three of us would agree. <laughs> There is nothing like waking up on Sunday morning, week one. There's a bit of a crisp in the air. You can feel it. Week one of the NFL, the pageantry of it, everybody feels like they got a shot. And it just means we're another step closer. See, us college basketball guys, we look at the other sports of, okay, when the NFL starts, that means we're another step closer. Oh, when October baseball starts. Now the 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 World Cup, the World Cup will be featured here this fall as college hoops is revving up. But then I always look at it when the Super Bowl happens in February. I always say we got next. We got. They just handed out a Lombardi Trophy. College hoops is the next sport to hand out a trophy. So we're into the fall now, and I'm ready for our, our podcast to be more than just once every two months. We are ramping up, gentlemen, to a big big season, as the almanac says, the year of the big. <laughs>
1: The Almanac, by the way, you can get that. It's going to be at the link in the description below. You can save 20% with the pre-order using the promo code hoops. That is the uh, the only, the only 2022-23 college basketball preview publication that you need to read. Field of 68 partnered with Three Man Weave, Heat Check Hoops, and the guys over at Verbal Commits to put this thing together. Tio, we were Shameless talking about this.
0: plug. Shame, Shameless no shame. plug. There
1: ain't no shame in my game anymore, Tio. <laughs> there is no more shame in my game. Um, We were talking about this a little bit before I hit the record button. To me, fall is my favorite time of year for a couple of reasons. One, the kids are out of the house, they are back in school, things are normal. My life is much quieter and more relaxed at this point. Two, you the, the the air is getting a little bit crisp. It's getting a little cooler. You can spend a little bit more time outside. You can get the fire pit going. You can get the s'mores going. You have Halloween just right down the road within touching distance, within gripping distance. But the biggest thing is sports are back real. Sport. I'm not talking about baseball, right? Baseball is not. That's not a thing. That's not a real sport. I'm talking about the real sports. I'm talking about football. I'm talking about European football. I'm talking about we have NBA coming up. I know, Fanta, you would love if we could talk about your, uh, your your Cleveland Cavaliers here. We have college basketballs right there. Practices are starting. I love the fall, T.O. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's a good time. It's still 90 degrees where I'm at, but you know I'm, I'm a little bit further south than you gentlemen. My August was great. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a great time. I went on vacation uh, with the boys. Every now and then, you got to take a, a weekend with the boys and engage in some nonsense. And not nonsense in a bad way, but, you know, there might have been a few beverages consumed and I might have run into Patrick Ewing down there in the Bahamas (laughs) might have happened. It might have happened. I might have seen Patrick Ewing in the club with his with his lovely wife. And I might have seen Patrick Ewing not dancing in the club. And I took issue with that. (laughs) And I might have walked up to Patrick Ewing and asked him why he didn't have any dance moves and then casually taking out some Bengay out of my jacket pocket because my buddy had a torn labrum. He was asking me to carry his Bengay for him. And I, and and I might've asked, I might've taken that out of my jacket pocket and handed it to Patrick. I said, you need to loosen up those joints, big fella. There's dance moves out here to be had. And I'm not sure Patrick Ewing liked it all that much. I'm not sure he liked it all that much, but his wife thought it was hilarious. So I'm telling you this. He's not big on dance moves, but Patrick Ewing at least was a fan of mine for about all the three minutes, and then I left <laughs> real quick because I wasn't about to overstay my welcome. But I thought it was funny, so there you go. <laughs> no, I, uh, August is I
1: I'm, I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping at some point on the recruiting trail, you end up sitting down in the gym. Right? You're sitting down in Peach Gym, and Patrick Ewing walks in the gym. And look, when you're there's not a lot of people <laughs> that will turn heads when when you walk in a gym at Peach Gym. Patrick it's Ewing huge. is one of the guys that will turn heads when you walk in and walk in the gym at Peach Gym. The only thing I want in this world is to walk for him to walk in, sit down next to you in the gym, and just basically look at you and be like, fuck you and your uh, Bengay.
2: <laughs> I was thinking about bringing Bengay up to Big East Media Day. Just a little tube, just a little tube of Bengay, and he him, like, hey, big fella, I got you. <laughs> No, this, no, that was a, that. That's a true story. That's a true story because it, it was right in that gap where the players go home before they come back to campus, and he obviously, uh, yeah, he's he's gone down there a couple of times, but <laughs> he, he was super nice for what it's worth, and he probably didn't need to be, but
1: uh, no, it, <laughs> hey, we had a good. Time you, I would boys. not have been that nice if you did that. No, no. Above.
2: Well, I will say this: I ran into him earlier too, and I, you know, I brought it up, and I was like, "Hey, I work with John Fanta," and and he's like, "Oh, that's my man. That's my." Man man. man so uh no I kind of had an end that way and we talked about a couple of his players that he's brought in because Georgetown's brought a bunch of dudes and we'll we'll see how that works out but I kind of had an an easier entrance way because it was you know it was what it was but I felt (laughs) like I felt like I could joke around with him after you know a few vodka Red Bulls. (laughs)
1: it's, It's amazing how as soon as you drop the name John Fanta you can start, oh, you can start goofing off and and cracking jokes with the uh, with NBA Hall of Famers and top fifty players of all time. <laughs>
0: Just gotta drop the name John Fanta. Immediately, it, it would
3: actually it'd be a great study of you name dropping different people that work at the Field of 68 and what coach <laughs> and what coaches' reactions are. So, so here
1: I, I got a story about that. Um, I went, I went to Denver. We had a, we had a little boys fishing trip up there, right? We, uh, we, we got a guide. We, we, we took a couple of days. We spent it on a river fishing for rainbow trout, fly fishing. Um, and it was awesome. And it was unbelievable. And we catch caught monsters that were like this big. They were huge. Uh, the story is though, the first night we got there, we went to this little like burger joint that is like the, the go-to spot when you're in Denver. I think it's called like the cricket cafe or something like that. And we walk in, and the very first person we see when we walk in the door is none other than LeVar Ball. And if you know anything, <laughs> oh, no, Levar, Ball, LeVar Ball and Jeff Goodman do not get along. So the guys that I was with, they were like, We need to go take a picture with him. We need to go make this happen. I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bother him. Like he's he's over there having a nice meal with his family, right? So my buddy's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go talk to him. So he walks over. <laughs> all we hear is is you see him say hello, and all we hear is, What, you don't want a picture? And we're like uh, I guess we got to go take a picture with LeVar Ball. <laughs> he wanted to take the picture with us. So we walk over there, and I had my Field of 68 shirt on. And the only thing that I'm thinking is, like, I just got to angle myself so LeVar cannot see this just in case he knows that Field of 68, Jeff Goodman were tied. I wasn't trying to get punched in the face at the cricket eating burger in Denver. Yeah. Did he see it? No, he didn't. I angled myself. That was perfect. a bit
2: anticlimactic.
1: Yeah. But we got <laughs> like, a picture with LeVar like, Ball. Yeah,
2: that, that, that's, that's pretty cool. That's it's, it, that is that is cool that you ran into, him. That's and then, then I pulled out a Patrick tube of Bengay and
1: I asked him if he had any dance moves and needed to loosen up the joints.
2: Yeah, I was about to say it's not Patrick, it's not icy hot on Patrick Ewing's knees or Bengay, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it's a good story. It's a good story. I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring it up. I would have brought it up.
1: Oh, the, yeah. Well, see, I don't. I'm not. I'm not an instigator like you, to. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> I am an instigator. That is. You, an can't, you can't spell so, troll without to. And, there's and, but, there's b- to be said Before
3: there. we go forward LeVar Ball is the greatest case Of someone who might have acted differently But let's make no mis- mistake about Nobody's going to make a mistake about this The man freaking loved the camera And the attention mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's anybody In college basketball In the last 50 years I'm serious Maybe ever that didn't play, he wasn't on the floor, but made more traction as a result in in college and in the NBA. Like That was just unheard of. His sons were getting talked about on daily debate shows. And why? Not because of the kids themselves. It was because of LeVar. He's got to be the Craziest parent in college hoops history. He made
2: a that 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 could be a long list, but I will yeah. tell you what, he did a heck of a job. Both of the kids in the NBA, neither one of them are in trouble. They That's are they true. do have different personalities. They got like it, you know, the, the middle one got in trouble a little bit in China, which is like top five places not to get in trouble, but like. <laughs> Like other than that, like they stay, <laughs> they stay out of trouble. He, he's, he, you know, he, he's a big fan of his kids, which I'm going to be too, just to a lesser, to, to a lesser outwardly loud extent, I think.
1: <laughs>
3: and like Good for
2: him. Good his for middle son was Lee. there.
1: His middle son was in Denver. I, apparently he had like a big baller brand pop-up shop, which like spoiler alert, big baller brand, still a thing still exists. They're still selling, uh, selling sweatshirts, selling gear, selling the merch. Um, all middle right. We have a fun all. show today that we're going to dive middle into. Of them all M- middle of the mall shit. Middle of the mall shit. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I have I have six topics that, that we're going to jump into that I wanted to talk about. It's kind of a little bit of a mailbag episode. Um, but before we do, before we dive all the way into that, uh, T.O., you, you sent us a text <laughs> yesterday. It was a screenshot. It was Ken Palm numbers. It was Kentucky's league performance last season. And there were a lot of first place numbers there. And I'm just kind of curious, one, why were you diving into Kentucky and, and, and kind of analyzing them like that? And two, what what is the point of, of, of this? I think what your text said was, for all that we do, for all we bang on um, John Calipari with his antiquated offense, uh, these numbers from last season are absurd. Talk to me about Kentucky last year.
2: They shot 37% or 36.9% from three in SEC play. They were first in the SEC. And offensive efficiency, they were first in effective field goal percentage, which a lot of that has to do with the big fella, Oscar Shibwe, but it also has to do with all these lob threats, they were like blocked, they don't get blocked. They don't get the, they don't get the ball stolen from them like this team offensively. You can say what you want, talent makes up for a lot, but after a while, you gotta have to acknowledge the numbers, right? And they had Kellen Grady, and they had some other guys that knocked down shots. They don't take as many threes as a lot of teams, but at the same time, they shoot 37 percent in league. It's hard to guard. And not only that, I was looking forward towards this year because I'm doing my previews and whatnot. Like Severe Wheeler was he he was third in the country in assist, and he has a lot of he has flaws, especially with that jump shot. But even he got his three-point percentage above 30 for the first time in his career. Like, they've got different guys. Cason Wallace is going to be a plus-three-point shooter. C.J. Frederick comes back. Antonio Reeves, an Illinois State transfer who averaged over 20 points a game, shoots it well. Now, he needs the ball a little bit more. I'm interested to see how that goes. But, I mean, we Cal catches some flag from not just us. It's not just us. But, it, like, as far as his offense, because he's trying to create closeout quicks and let his athletes do the work. Uh, but at the same time, like those numbers, like they they ran into a buzzsaw against St. Peter's. That's what happened. They they ran into the hottest team in the country at that very moment. And they lost one game against a very good St. Peter's team. Outside of that, guys, I had them pick for the national championship. Mm-hmm. I, like I, they were that good last year. That's the crazy part about it. And I didn't realize their offensive efficiency numbers were going to be as high as what they were. And now a lot of that's because there's a lot of lob passes and things like that. And there's a lot of dunks around the rim, but still, you got to make it happen. Even it doesn't matter really how you get there, there's a lot of different ways to get there. But Calipari continues to get it done besides the COVID year, obviously.
1: Yeah. And and for the record, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of dunks. If if what you can do is scheme ways to get the easiest and most efficient shot in basketball over and over and over again, then you're doing a pretty good, pretty damn good job uh, as a basketball coach. I think so. That my issue, I'm with you, I have Kentucky as a top five team. I think that they're going to win the SEC. I think that this is a team that is built to make a deep run. I love uh, Wallace and Livingston and what they kind of provide in the sense that they're willing to play a role, right? They're, they're not guys that are going to come in like Malik Monk, like Jamal Murray, and expect X number of shots when they're on a team that has a guy that's the reigning national player of the year. My concern is that when you have a point guard that can't shoot, it's it's easier to scheme. It's easier to game plan against. And in a sport where all it takes is one loss at the wrong time against a team with a good game plan, uh, then that is the kind of thing that can cost you a season and be something where you lose to a 15 seed. Whereas if they play a seven game series, right. Then Kentucky loses the first game to St. Peter's. They win the next four by 40 points. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't matter because it's a one game knockout situation. And my concern with them, big picture is that they can be easily schemed against. Now, I have them as a top five team. It may not matter, Fanta, but that's just that—that's something thats a red flag that sticks out to me about Kentucky heading
3: into this season. On this Thursday, September eighth, in the year of our Lord two thousand twenty-two, at eleven thirty-six a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am here to proclaim that at this moment, I believe that Kentucky. Should be the front runner to win the national championship this upcoming season. I have gone on record on this show and have been ripped apart by Kentucky fans for saying that there is real pressure on John Calipari this upcoming season. There's pressure on Kentucky. They wouldn't want it any other way. There should be pressure. You know why? They have the best player. And if he's not the best, he's the second best player in college basketball coming back. And he's the reigning national player of the year. They have brought in highly touted recruits. They have a player in Jacob Toppin, who I believe is poised to take an even bigger leap this upcoming season. Cason Wallace is a plus three-point shooter. He and Chris Livingston combined to go 12 of 25 from beyond the arc, on the team's Bahamas trip. It's a Bahamas trip, but that's an encouraging stat line. And like you said, C.J. Frederick coming back from injury, he's a veteran, he's a leader. I am not in the business of huge hot takes, but I'm going to bring this here. That was just the second time since 1987 that Kentucky basketball failed to make it out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. That was their loss to UMBC. What happened after Virginia lost to UMBC in the following season? They felt redemption, and they won it all. I think motivation is bigger than all the recruiting, all the transfer portaling, all the roster constructing. I think it's bigger than all those things. There is no team in college basketball more ready to step on the floor on November 7th than Kentucky is because they want to feel a win, the first of many. So I am telling you guys on this show, and I know you both agree with me, does Kentucky have what it takes? Yes, they do. I believe it's hard to run it back. So for Carolina, I'm concerned about that. Gonzaga has not proven to us they can win the big one. You could talk about whether that narrative is legit or not. It's a fact. And Houston, toughest nails. I think they might be the biggest opposition. But Kentucky, to me, is the number four ranked preseason team in the country in my book. And I believe that the idea of redemption, the talent level they have, and a fired up John Calipari will not be a duplicate performance next March. The Wildcats should be the front runner if not second, to win it all this upcoming season. I am putting them right there. He's pandering to the masses, T.O.
1: Hold on, hold on. T.O., he's pandering to the masses. Next thing you know... Fanta is going to come on here talking about how great Jeremy Roach is. And you're going to come on here talking about how Chris Murray is better than Keegan Murray, and he's going to be a star. No, no, and I'm going to come on no, here no, no, telling no. you how Providence is the best program, most likable program, and the one uh-huh, program in the uh-huh. East that you cannot call lucky. This is pandering to the audience. Fanta.
3: No, I'm not. Oh,
2: I'm I am you on simply.
3: No, I'm <laughs> not. You
2: know what's funny? I thought, that, I thought that went the other way around. I was like, Fanta is building them up so he can beat them down. he had, something, he's had something against John Calipari, and I'm not sure what it is he is building them up so about about december he could be like fuck them well i'm telling you
3: okay but you know what you know what they've had a great summer they've had so much go well i think cal is so smart i said this on twitter and kentucky fans got mad at me for this like he is so smart to say to oscar Sheepway, go and do the nil stuff yeah. i mean he's not gonna say no but like kentucky fans. John is so good at publicizing his program. Of course he's, of course that story landed in the athletic that day. Like we could both say it's, it's great that he allowed Oscar to do it, but he's a smart publicity, man. If I'm a recruit and I see that, I say, Hey, Hey, coach Cal supports me. I can miss some practice time. Who cares about practice? I don't need practice. I'm going to go make bank. No, 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 no. I think that Kentucky has the most pressure on them going into this season you know why they lost to St Peter's last year they were the embarrassment of the first round with that said I've seen this formula in college basketball work before are you guys suggesting to me are you now suggesting to me Robert that Kentucky doesn't have what it takes to win it all because it's a sad when it's like to know the answer
1: I know I look I I think that I, I don't think I would call them the favorite at this point because I think that they are not quite as matchup proof as other teams are, but of course they can win. They, I have them as a top five team. If you're like anywhere in that top 10 range, you have what it takes to win a national title. They have the national player of the year coming back, right? They have a whole bunch of athletes. The one thing I really like about this group is that they, it's clear that they're going to play more um, point guard, center and three wingish kind of guys, right? And I think that's what you need to be able to thrive in college basketball. You basically need to go, four round one and assuming that Jacob Toppin is going to shoot the way that the hype has kind of built him up to be able to shoot uh, I think that that is uh, the way that it's going to end up going speaking of Kentucky speaking of recruiting speaking of big names speaking of superstars Fanta you are from the state of Ohio you know who else is from the state of Ohio a young man by the name of LeBron James you know who his son is a young man by the name of Bronny James he took a recruiting visit to Ohio State is that the right place for him to go to
3: college Well, I I think that it can be the right place for him to go to college. The answer to your question is, yes, it's one of the right places for him to go. And and here's the thing. Bronny James is not a top 10 recruit in his class. So with where he is, is ranked with what his skill set is, with who Chris Holtman is as a coach and with where the Buckeyes are as a program, of course, wherever Bronny goes, there's going to be a significant amount more attention around him and around that program. But I do think that Ohio State could be one of the right places for Bronny to go. Do I think that Bronny James is going to be an Ohio State Buckeye? For the record, I know. The answer to that question is no. I think he took a visit there. I think it went well. I think recruits do that all the time. He got to see the Ohio State-Notre Dame game that everybody wanted to watch on Saturday, and he got to be in the horse too for it. He could have done that whether he was going on a visit or not. His dad's LeBron James. Mm -hmm. But I I, I do, like Duke or Carolina, which not all these schools are are even necessarily getting considered. To me, Bronny James at a blue blood is going to be a lot more difficult for him to thrive in his stint in college than if he went to a program like in Ohio State or if he goes to a program out West. I personally think that with LeBron's contract and with where Bronny's at, I think him being in Los Angeles is a, is a good thing. Stay close to home, stay close to dad. I'm I'm in on that. I'm okay with that. I don't know how you feel about this, Terrence. But one thing about Bronny is I don't think that Bronny should be going to one of to a Kentucky Duke or North Carolina because he's not that type of recruit. He's a very very good player. He is not a great player right now. He's not.
1: Well, he'll be he'll be a great role player. He'll he'll be able to do a job. He'll he'll do a very very good job. And if things break right for him, they're they're like if he. uh, Honestly, I think that his. Uh, his potential as an NBA player is all going to depend on whether or not he stays at like the six, three ish range or gets to like six, five, six, six. Um, But I think that looking at a program like an Ohio state where it's a football school, where they're going to be focused more on the football team where you're not going to have like the hype is already going to be out of control. The attention is going to be out of control. He's going to be a celebrity wherever he goes. If you go to a school where it's kind of like, Oh yeah, we got this guy that like, he's kind of a famous basketball player as opposed to, Going to a program where you're living in that bubble and basically right. every day of your life is going to be TMZ. Uh, Ohio State makes a lot of sense. Tio, what do you think?
2: I think first of all, I think what is he ranked in the forties, thirties, forties, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Depends, he's depends right, right around what, the thirties, guys. He's. I, I didn't think I would ever think a LeBron James relative would be underrated, but I think LeBron, I think Bronny's really good, and I, I'm ranking him strictly as a college player because i nba is not our bag but i I think like Bronny james playing in the big 10 would be really good Mm -hmm. really really good he's an explosive guard who can can run the offense for you he's going to make the right reads he's going to be smart he can shoot over the top he's got a really nice looking stroke his jump shot is better than his dad's right now and it kind of had to be because he's much smaller so i think that's a big part uh he's nba potential it's to, to be determined, obviously his size has a lot to do with that. But this is – I mean, this is a big kid. Big, strong kid. He can get there. He's explosive. He can get off the floor. Like, he's got all the tools. If this kid's name was something else, like, you know, Steve, Steve Taylor or something okay, like yeah. that, like, you're probably looking at a top 30 kid. Like, I, I, think he's, I think he's a good player. And I think he's big and strong, and he fits college rosters really well, especially if he's beside somebody that's really, really good. Like, he could be – uh, you know, sophomore year, second team, all league guy at a big 10 school. I believe that. But the thing is, is like, it's going to take a little while and he's not going to be in college for very long because basically all LeBron has to say is whatever team he goes to, I'll find a way. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the hang up with the kid right now. But Ohio State, I could see it just because his dad was a big Ohio State fan growing up, but Southern Cal would make a lot of sense. Him staying around there, uh, I think Southern Cal to me, uh, Memphis maybe throw them in there because Ooh. the relationship with Penny Hardaway. The problem that the, the problem I that he has that is, would
3: end, I don't know if that would end well. I'm not, I'm sorry, but I, I mean I, what
2: has ended well at Memphis? Tell me <laughs> that. Uh, and then
3: well, this past year ended better than I thought it would.
2: One that makes a lot of sense uh, would be Louisville, but they're in Adidas school, so that'll never happen. So it's it just. There's 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 a lot more going on than just Bronny James is a very good basketball player.
3: Let's put it that way. Here's the thing, USC. I saw Rob being like, like it'd be the most people ever at a USC basketball game. I'm yeah, sorry, but they'd
2: get at least 2,500 people there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're gonna go somewhere in in Southern California, I think it has. Did to.
2: you see the UCLA football game the other day? They reported they had like 25,000 people there. There couldn't have been four. <laughs> well,
3: yeah. it's hot. Playing college football this time of year in Los I know, but it's hot, man. It's, it's hot. hot in Los
2: Angeles
1: right No, now. but it's UCLA. The weather like,
2: in Los Angeles. Come to I know. South it's Panther. not the same. Come down here and
1: call a game at Clemson. Here, here's the thing about that. Like, college football is, like, 29th on the list of things that you're going to do if you're in L.A. right now. And UCLA is second on the list of college football things that you're going to do. If you're in LA right now, it's not yeah. even like the best college football program in the city that doesn't That's give right. a shit about college football. Like <laughs> I, I was right. making fun of USC fans for not showing up, but it, it like it was even worth it. UCLA, but you see, like they don't even, they don't even, they don't even, you know, move the needle at all. At least USC has Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and Jordan Addison and all of these studs. Like I think low key, they'll probably end up getting into the college football playoff, which would be a lot of fun, which is a different podcast over there on the field of 12. But, Bronny shameless James plug shameless plug, plug. Bronny James USC eh, Nah, I don't see this Yeah,
3: thing. all right but B- Bronny James just for the record I do think like you guys said I like the Big Ten fit and I would really like Chris Holtman coaching him I think Holt yeah I, would do, the, that. I really like Holt's demeanor for the whole situation if it happened I yeah. like that too I, I, I like
2: agree. that fit all things considered I like Ohio State for his game
1: Yes, I th- it makes a lot of sense for uh, for for him at that. He's a good player. Basketball. Like I, like he's a good player. I hate that, you know.
2: He's got a lot of stigma and all that stuff, and every everywhere he goes is a show. But like he's he's a really good basketball player.
1: Yeah, and the it's just the the hype is going to the hype is going to create a level of expectation. The name is going to create a level of expectation where people that don't follow it as closely as we do are going to expect him to come in and average. 19 and 5 and 5. No, that's not gonna happen. And that's not he's gonna be a guy that he'll probably come in. If he averages eight points, a couple assists, couple rebounds, plays good defense, is a starter, plays 30 minutes on a team that went that is a top 25 team wins 25 games makes it to the sweet 16 like to me that is that is probably what you expect out of Bronny James yeah. he's a winning he's a winning basketball player he's not That's right have... that's a big one yeah.
2: he is a he is, he a does winning, winning basketball That being said strive for greatness that summer team he played on was horrendous I, like they did not play together they didn't have the dudes like they were terrible but Bronny was good <laughs> Bronny was really good I don't think they won a game at Peach Jam I don't think they won a game like all summer in the EYBL like not I don't think he won one. <laughs> not one. That being said, he does winning stuff. He no, really but he, does he's, he's winning but
1: stuff. he he's a winning basketball player. It was just, you know, it was politics. <laughs> yeah.
2: But he, he does winning stuff. In all seriousness, he be plays oh, hard, sets up that whatever. He does winning stuff. Next uh, question. Right. I'm not going to ban LeBron's kid. I'm not going to freaking just get on him. Like he's a good player.
3: He, yeah, absolutely.
2: Good absolutely. player.
3: Absolutely. I just I think in the atmosphere of it, he's not like, I just don't think Duke or Carolina are the best fit in this particular recruiting place. Yep. That was recruiting. my point. I think he's a really good player. They're not. But I think it would benefit they? him to play three or four years in college also, and that's not going to happen in this no. situation because his dad wants to play with him. And that's okay. They're,
2: they're, 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 they're not recruiting him. They're not recruiting him. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's uh, on.
1: They're not recruiting him. Um yep. Are you guys excited about the new transfer window in college basketball? For people that don't know, starting on the Monday after Selection Sunday and going through, I believe it's May 15th, Those are going to that's the window. It's a 60 day window for when you are allowed to enter your name into the transfer portal. Uh, You can announce that you're transferring beforehand. You cannot be contacted by coaches until you get your name into the portal Um, and you cannot enter the portal again until after May 15th. They're just trying to build a little little structure to it. Uh, They're trying to find a way to make it make sense. You don't have to commit by the end of the transfer window. So it's not really a transfer window. It's a portal window more than uh, more than anything else. Um, and it's not going to stop tampering because tampering is kind of a rite of passage when it comes to uh, college sports and college athletics. So, Tio, I'm going to go to you first on this one. You've coached before, um, you've worked with players that are now uh, in college basketball. Um, what do you What do you think about this window? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, where Where do you stand?
2: I like it in theory. That in theory, it's great, but like kids are leaving during where they're not supposed to in the transfer portal anyway. And they're not – The NCAA is not doing anything about it regardless. I do like the caveats, though. If a coach leaves, they can leave. Uh, there were some other things that were put in there that are obviously to the – If they get run advantage. off,
1: they don't have – like you can – it's it's the, it's the yeah, second – Yeah, the runoff transfer. waiver,
2: like they're going to have to sign it or it looks bad on the coach. Yeah. Like that – like <laughs> that's the thing. Like the kid might not have been run off. And, and I'm willing to bet a good majority of the time, they're not running them off.
1: And that's only that's for second and third time transfers for the record. First time transfers are going to be eligible all the time.
2: Right. Right. So, I mean, it, it, here's the thing, like our kids graduating, that that was the big concern too. Like, you know, second and third time transfers are those guys getting the classes in that they need to get. There's, there's a young man playing at Georgia who's on his seventh season. Like make sure he graduates for the love of God, make sure he graduates. But like, it's I think that's that's one of the focuses of why they did that, because you, you you have to get kids in class. I like the 60 days because it lets the coaches breathe a little bit in theory. I just don't think that the NCAA is going to hand down any punishment if a kid wants to leave later. Anyway, there hasn't been any precedence of them handing any punishment regardless. So well, it's,
1: the, 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 what it'll be is that you're just if you don't have your name in the portal by May 15th, then you are not going to be able to get that one time. Automatic eligibility if you're a first time transfer. Is, is allegedly allegedly. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But um the one thing I would say is I I hate, hate that it starts on the Monday after selection Sunday. Right. I remember Mus, Eric Musselman. I can't remember where he told us this. Maybe it was maybe it was at the Final Four. Maybe it was on one of the pods that we've done with him. Maybe it was the interview I did with him for the Almanac. I can't remember where it was, but he was telling us that he has not. Uh, when 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 they went into the NCAA tournament, he spent as much time uh, in the portal recruiting transfers as he did preparing for the games that he was going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. And to me, if you are forcing a coach to make a decision between, hey, I need to go win <laughs> games and prepare for games in the NCAA tournament, or I need to get out there because I'm going to fall behind. If these big name transfers end up putting their names in the portal and are going to make a decision like that is that's unfair to the coaches that are already having success. And right. I don't think that they should have um, opened the window until a- ideally after the final four. But if you want to make it after like the second week into the tournament, because that week heading into the final four, there's only so much that you can do. Like there's plenty of time to recruit then. And it's only four teams that are going to be there. And generally speaking, those teams are going to be big enough where if like they, they pick up the phone, every transfer in the country is going to end up listening. Right. So I don't think it's as big of an issue there, but opening it on the Monday after selection Sunday, I think is dumb. I believe the reason they did that was that they wanted consistent 60 day windows across all sports. And they didn't want this to run into late May. They wanted it to be done by mid-May. So I think it was just a, um,
2: but it's done before
1: school's out. Yeah. I think it was just an issue of the calendar. The, yeah. the way that the calendar set up, but I, that's the only thing I don't like about it.
3: So a couple of things with this and, and I wrote about it. Shameless plug. I wrote about it for Fox sports shameless. last week. Oh, you work for and, Fox. And so I, I talked with different coaches and got a number of different quotes. Chris beard was first up. He also said, I'm not going off the record. Coach Knight always said going off the record was soft as shit. So I'm going on the record. He goes, I think this was necessary. And, and even the wild, wild West, has some rules. I talked with Todd Golden. Todd Golden said, I don't have a strong feeling either way, but he said, look, we talk about freedom for for athletes. There is nothing wrong with that freedom. He goes, they should be allowed to do what they so choose where their next destination is. But he said, you have to understand the fact that with that freedom is going to come some rules and some Mm -hmm. constructive things to be put in place to allow for There to be more of an honest expectation of what the timeline of events are. And that's what's nice about this. It creates a timeline of decision-making. Sure, they're not choosing their next destination, but it gives us deadlines. Selfishly, for media purposes, it gives us some deadlines. It gives us that that Monday after Selection Sunday, I don't like it either. I'm with Rob. If anything, if I'm going to change it and, and still allow for it to be somewhat aligning in the calendar and not do something drastic, Why couldn't they have waited one week? Why couldn't they have waited until there's just 16 teams left uh, in the NCAA tournament instead of 68 teams? In theory now, you're talking about a coaching staff getting ready for a first four game in Dayton, and an assistant coach has to leave the room, the film room, to take a phone call or to deliver a phone call to a player that that staff wants for the next season. That's, That's a bit crazy. The focus should be on the NCAA tournament. Instead, now, the product's going to kind of get diluted because on that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you're going to see a, potentially a million kids enter the portal. You get my point. And you're going to have that going on. You're going to have us getting ready for NCAA tournament games. I'm sorry, but the portaling doesn't matter to me, but it's going to matter to certain coaches. And it does take away the focus from the, the best postseason in sports for that staff, for, for those players, for all of us. The other thing here is that the biggest takeaway from coaches guys that I had was the dynamic of April the live recruiting high school period and how it collides with trying to re-recruit your own players on campus. Several coaches that. several that's, coaches that's said to, changed. to me Several coaches said to me there has to be a change in the schedule of evaluation periods, if they want to just. A lot of coaches said we don't feel the need to do two separate periods.
2: Yeah, that 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 occurred a lot more than I think people realized. Although
3: uh, there was a big amount of coaches that just did the July only period. Mm-hmm. Right. So so bring it down to just one period, but in April, they feel and i I get this. They feel that re-recruiting their junior or senior who has college basketball experience and they've seen help them win is more important than going out on the road and trying to hit it big with some high school recruit where only the best the absolute best are still likely going to Duke or Kentucky so there have to be some changes made to the April calendar
1: why In, in April you're you're going out and getting guys that are going to immediately impact your team whether it's a um, a junior coming in that's going to be able to start as a point guard for you, whether it's someone that's going to come in and play reserve role off the bench, you're, be, you're able to fill the needs that you need to plug in your program. You still got to go get freshmen because if you look at the teams that win national titles, it's teams that are able to develop guys like, uh, like a Jared Butler, like a Davion Mitchell, like an Oshai Baji, like a Christian Brown, like a Ryan like Those are the teams that are winning national titles. You got to be able to develop them, like a Kyle guy, like a Ty Jerome. Um, but you also need to plug the holes that you need to be able to, to win. You know, these teams that are winning national titles still have transfers in there that are, that are kind of doing jobs for them. So, um, I do think that we're going to end up seeing a change to what the April calendar uh, looks like. And maybe instead of having exposure camps for, uh, for high schoolers, maybe we need to field a 68 transfer exposure tournament. Ooh. How does that sound? We heard about the NBA top 100 camp. What about the field of 68 transfer top 100 camp? Mm. How do you feel about that? Huh, yeah. Should we
3: do that it? My, Should we do it? Got my I hate eyes popping. I hate it. I
1: hate it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call it the Portalers. Yeah, the Portalers. <laughs> the Portalers top 100 camp. All right. Uh, let's keep it moving. The The name of the almanac, the preseason publication that we are putting out, uh, promo Diana's code plugged. 20% off, link in the description below, is called The Year of the Big. Uh, it's because if you go through and look at the best players in college basketball, the overwhelming majority of them are big men. You cannot do a first team preseason All-American team without having Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy, and Oscar shibway on it. Yeah. Uh, you cannot do a preseason Big Ten preview without mentioning Trace Jackson Davis or Hunter Dickinson as a, a potential preseason player of the year. Uh, Adama Sunogo is going to be the preseason Big East player of the year. He might not even be a, the third team All-American, even though he is probably a top 10th player in America. Blasphemy. Uh,
2: Connecticut's pizza is so bad. At least let them have an All-American.
1: Exactly. Like for one fair. It's unfair. It's ridiculous. Um, that all, I say all that to say this. Is it a good thing for college basketball that the addition of NIL, the, the reason this is happening is because the addition of NIL, these big guys have a, a higher market value in college than they do at the professional ranks. Is that a good thing for college basketball long-term, Teal? Uh,
2: I mean, yeah, you get to hang on to guys longer. I think that's a good thing. It's, it might be the the year of the big, but SEC, who I think the national championship is going to come out of, it's going to be the league of the wing. So I think like the wings are what wins you championships right now, as long as your point guard's solid. But I digress. If you look through the past couple of years, I digress. I, there's a lot of talent at the five spot and a lot of, largely guys. And you know, this just as well as I do. It's because their games don't translate very well. Like how is Hunter Dickinson going to fit in the NBA when he's getting attacked and attacked and attacked every time down, not because he's a bad player, just because he's seven foot two and he might not be the most agile uh, guy in the game. So I think that's a big one to keep an eye on. But it's like the bigs don't translate to the next level and they are much more marketable like they are In college, they can capitalize off their success there. People are nuts, still nuts about college sports. And the difference between college football and college basketball is you see their faces. So these kids are much more... uh, you're able to realize who they are much easier, much easier, recognizable, if you will. That was the word I was desperately looking for and I couldn't find it, recognizable. But it's. I think those bigs, uh, they carry a lot more weight in college and they can make a lot more money in college because it, most of the time they're going to go to an NBA team, they're going to sit the bench and they're going to end up in Europe making you know, 750 to a million dollars and they can make more than that in college, especially these high-level bigs like an Oscar Sheba, like a Hunter Dickinson. Uh, those guys can make money at, at the. Kofi you know, Coburn is taking
1: a pay cut to go pro.
2: Think that's right. That's the that. thing.
1: What's the line from basketball? Shaquille. O'Ne- Everyone knows Shaquille O'Neal got rich playing in college, right? That's what. Uh, that's what Kofi Coburn. He got rich playing in college, which will allow him to afford to take a pay cut and go play in the NBA or go play in the G League wherever he ends up. Oscar Shibway he's going to make two commas with a crooked number in the front of it this yeah. year. Really? You know, Hunter Dickinson is going to make seven figures. Armando Baycott is going to make six figures, if not seven figures. Uh, Fanta, where do you stand on this?
3: Of course it's great for college basketball. In no way can it be harmful to college basketball. One of the criticisms of the sport in recent years has been that in college hoops, you don't know who's on these teams from year to year. Newsflash. I actually think right now that you could say, you have a better idea of who's on some of these basketball teams than you do in the world of college football. Yes. I just said it. There's some more. I'm telling you right now, a a lot of the casual fans who are watching these college football teams, they know CJ Stroud, they know Stetson Bennett, but, but the point is,
1: what about last year's Heisman winner?
3: (laughs) He's back too. He's back too. But (laughs) in college basketball, that has been a rich criticism of The sport that recognizable stars faces of the game are not something that people can identify with. Instead, mm-hmm. it's constantly faces on the sidelines. It's constantly big name coaches. I would argue this, that the year of the big and the immediate after effects of name, image and likeness could not come at a more necessary time in college basketball in a sport that has seen Roy Williams Mike Krzyzewski, and Jay Wright all exit the game in the last year and change, the sport needs people that can be shown on their ads and somebody sees it and says, I know who that is. I know who Oscar Sheboy is. Oh, Drew Timmy's got the best mustache in sports. It's great for college hoops. It's a win-win scenario. Just because those players aren't necessarily translatable to the NBA, you know what it forces on broadcasts? for us to actually talk about college basketball and knock it into an NBA mock draft yes. in the eighth minute of the game out of a break. I think it's good for college hoops. And I think it's a total win-win.
1: I, I agree with everything that you just said in terms of uh, publicizing the game and making it more recognizable and having more, uh, but the, for lack of a better term, brands playing the game. Right. Um, I don't know if it'll necessarily translate to these teams winning national titles, but I don't think that that matters as much as it does as as getting fans' eyeballs on the game. People are going to watch the NCAA tournament no matter what, but having some of these bigger names back in November and December might get more people paying attention to the sport then. Uh, This is a perfect segue. I saw the guys over at the Ion College Basketball podcast tweeting about this the other day. I didn't listen to it specifically because I knew I wanted to talk about it with you guys, but is this North Carolina team, the one that has Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, Um, and Leaky Black, and now Pete Nance. Is this the most nationally recognizable college basketball team since Florida brought back Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Al Horford, and all those guys uh, the year after they won the national title? Phantom, I'm going to you first.
3: It is not the most recognizable team. I am going to throw a twist on this and still say... That I believe that 2018 19 Duke is. You know why? The amount of hype coming into the season. Look, if we don't disagree on the show and we say the same answer, it's going to be pretty stale. So I'll go a little contrarian. There has never been a player in college hoops that received the ad plug, the name recognition, the Twitter sphere, all of that. Than Zion Williamson received coming into his career. You throw in RJ Barrett. Uh, you throw in Trey Jones, who I think emerged as, as one of the faces of that team. Uh, you throw in who, who am I missing Reddish. on that? Team? What's Cam it Reddish. Cam Reddish on that team? The faces of that Duke team coming into the season. And then as the season picked up, I know that we're talking preseason. But they just were so synonymous with what we were following in the sport. Duke, Duke, Duke. They led everything. And they led everything from the moment that Zion committed. The buildup to him just made them a last dance type of team in terms of how we followed them game after game after game. Because that's how people were following them, not only in the college game, but in the casual sports world and in the NBA draft world. So I'll go a little bit contrarian and say yeah i like my recognizable faces as much as the next guy but i'll still say the power of zion should not be ignored in this argument because he received a hype that we've never seen because in the social media age his name recognition and his first name to begin with made him such a rich talking point going into the year that we were so ready to see him in a duke uniform and Mike Krzyzewski on the sidelines certainly doesn't hurt the situation. Coach K only adds to it, and that's why I side with a Duke team because Duke is always king of conversation.
2: What was the Kentucky team with the Harrison twins that made it all the way? Julius
1: Randle, 2014. They were supposed to be 40-0. and 0, Then they didn't end up going 40-0.
2: Yeah, that, that, that one has to be up there, too. Yeah. Uh, th- I just remember that Florida team, that, they won the national championship and everybody came back. I remember the hype around that, mostly because Florida was recruiting me while all that was going on. So, like, that team, like, they couldn't walk around campus. And then they got bored. And then there was some off-the-court drama. So, like, there was, there was a lot going on uh, with that unit. I, I just remember how much there was, like – rah-rah round and that was basically before twitter facebook was starting MySpace <laughs> pages were big time and it was like it was starting the the, the online carousel was beginning to get speed so I, that florida team they man you want to talk about a team that fit together but that's not what we're talking about but like uh with joe kim noah being loud and
1: and talking well, to I mean, reporters away that, was like the that was a
2: different it. that was a different level of like superstardom at the college yeah. level.
1: So I I do believe that if Twitter had existed in the way that it exists now, and if YouTube was the thing, the way that YouTube is right now, and if Instagram and TikTok and all these things existed the way that they exist now, back in 2007, then Joe Kim Noah would have been as big of a presence as Zion Williamson was not for the dunks and everything, but because he was just such a character and so ridiculous, and so intense yes. and so beloved because he, he kind of, he embodied the way that everybody wants a college basketball player to play. Like he played, like he was laying it all on the line for the team, the the name that was on the front of his Jersey. Right. He was emotional and pounding his chest and screaming. he had the long hair. Um, He wasn't going to class. Yeah. Like he, he was, he was the epitome of what we wanted a college basketball player to be. And he just won a national title and he came back to school with all of the other guys that he was coming back to school with. Um, But I got to say like, I'm so mad right now because I, 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 Phantom, Phantom made me agree with him. I can't even disagree with it, man. I can't even argue the fact. It's gotta be be the Zion team, man. It's gotta be the Zion team. That was, that that, that was a spectacle.
3: It was. It was was unlike anything that we've seen. And like, I, my brother is a huge college football guy, huge football fan. You guys know these. You've got the buddy who's all in on football. And you sometimes will say, man, like in November, you're like, Great college hoops games coming on tonight. And your buddy, you know this guy. We all have this guy in our lives. Your buddy texts you back and goes, yeah, nice game. But, you know, it's not March. It's not, it's not even January yet. I, mm. I'm locked into my big football game here this weekend. A I want to take my phone and freaking throw it when somebody says that back to me. Because I'm like, come on, man. Share my excitement. I know no one really can. But the, the point is, we all have that guy. But, but... Zion made people watch every single game. You had him up. So even even with the fact that North Carolina returns virtually everybody, and for the record, I think it's really hard to repeat. Uh, So for North Carolina's expectations, I don't see them getting back to the Final Four this year. That's a separate discussion. But you're talking about how much we can relate to them. How how much are they recognizable? They're very recognizable, but they're not getting – heads to turn in november and december even with how recognizable they are zion williamson did that
1: yeah i i think i agree and, and i the more that i think about it the the grayson allen team his mm-hmm. what was it? his i think it was his senior year when he came back um i that that's probably up there too just because it was i mean it's grayson allen that dude oh. he kind of brought it on himself but he was the, the, he had as much uh attention as anybody. All right, we got three more that I want to roll through we can roll through. He was Ooh. a great college player. He, he was, was great. He was great. He was a he great was. college basketball player. But, you know, he he is turd. Yeah, he did some very dumb things over and over and over again. Uh overreactions that kind of brought uh brought some hey, of a- rob attention.
3: I was just researching stuff on Twitter like of our shows from last year. So, I need like I need T.O's 45 second Follow-up Terrence last November, we did a show from my apartment. That was awesome. The day after the champions classic, we had a great time. It was fun on that show. Cause you just made me think of it. The Duke discussion. You said Paolo bancaro could be the best player that coach K has ever had. I said, I'm not ready to do this today. <laughs> you bet uh, your ass. Who was number one pick? <laughs> I was just checking. I got to say, I'm going to give you your flowers.
1: Yes. He because
3: them. you know what if he Thank wasn't the best he's damn close.
1: You were you were on him as the number 1 pick bandwagon even as everybody was like Jabari Smith Jabari like you stuck no. to your guns with that. No.
2: Mm. shot creation is so rare at an elite level. That's 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 the overwhelming factor cuz You know we
3: haven't we haven't been on since Chet too. I'm um, I'm um, I'm um, Upset over that. I just, I knew it was gonna probably happen, but I hate it, man.
2: You know what's funny is my buddy, my the, the guy who does all the games in Sweden and does all the World Cup games for Swedish television. He's like, man, it, it I would have been telling everybody if I predicted it after the first game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, I'm just—I I don't think it's really a secret, but apparently it was a bigger secret than everybody else. It's true, thought.
3: you're right on that, Tio Yeah, it
2: was—I yeah, didn't think it was a secret, but I, but apparently it was bigger than what I thought. But I—you nail it. Uh, shot, yeah, shot creation, huge. He's huge. He is a terrible dresser. If there's one thing I've learned since he's gotten his first paycheck, that dude can't dress for shit. He is a horrible <laughs> designer. Somebody hire this guy. Somebody else. Anybody else? Terrible fashion sense. Even Russell
3: Westbrook. He says in his Adidas Dry Fit.
2: (laughs) Hey, that's hey hey. Here's the thing. I play. All right. So uh, another thing that's happened. I've play. I played in the Crew League, which is coming out September 30th. Our first our first game. I played in the Crew League. I was on Walk a Flock of Flames team. And there was a lot of good stuff. And they before we started, we all had to do interviews. And I can't disclose because I signed a confidentiality agreement. This is going to be a long season. So, like, but they asked, like, well, what kind of what kind of swag you got on? They asked everybody on the team, you had to go in and do these interviews. And it was so funny because they had this guy named Fly Guy DC He's a big radio personality in, in Atlanta. And he's like, Oh, you know, I just got a little something, something. I got these Kyrie super rare. And I walk up. <laughs> and I have my jersey on. I have, like, just basic Adidas because I just, I like Adidas stuff. And they said, what kind of swag you got? I said, this is awesome. First of all, this is called Middle-Aged Father right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is Middle-Aged Father, and I'm excited to be here. I think it's going to be great. They they ate that up because right after me, uh, who was it that walked in? It was uh, G. Herbo walked in right after me to do his interview. Waka Flocka <laughs> came in right after him. And then they had, uh, 21 Savage, uh, he played all these guys played and here, here I was. So
1: there's a lot of good stories. I can't, I I cannot wait. I need to get that clip of you just being like this right here is called middle-aged father, (laughs) middle-aged father. (laughs) This
2: is called father of two. (laughs) <laughs> but it was so fun. like these guys are dressed to the nines like you could tell guys they just came back from the store to go get their shoes to look like great and here i was i was like dude i'm here to hoop my shoes didn't match the jersey it was terrible <laughs> but it was a lot of fun i can promise you that it was a lot of fun
1: there's a lot of stories that I've heard from you about that, that uh, maybe one day, if you show up at our final four shows in Houston, we'll get to We'll, we'll have him throw a couple back and then he can tell some of those, uh, the, those stories when they're It'll not have to be several. It'll have to be yeah, several. Not, there's not, a lot. Not,
2: there was a, it, there's a lot necessarily
1: for there. It's not necessarily for uh, public consumption. All right. Uh, three more <laughs> questions. And we're going to roll through these pretty quickly. First and foremost, Fanta, this is yours. You wanted to talk about this one. So I'm going to you first on this one. Yeah, you want to know who is the toughest team in college basketball? And if all of us don't have the same answer here, then I'm disappointed in all of us. It's not UConn. It's not UConn. Okay, good.
3: Houston, baby. Calvin Sampson's Houston team is the toughest in college basketball heading into this season. You think about who they've got back, and these guys are killers. When I look at Jamal Sheed, when I look at Marcus Sasser, when I look at Tremont Mark, then I think about that front court. Reggie Cheney, if if I'm stuck in a in a dark alley and I need some help, Reggie Cheney's going to be my my partner because I know that I want that guy protecting my team and Jarris Walker as well. Houston is tough; they're hard nosed. Not only do they have the philosophy, the the Kelvin Sampson culture, if you will, Kelvin has done an amazing job at Houston of getting his guys to buy in to what they do to win games, game in and game out.
2: And getting the right guy that could do that. He has That's a
3: gotten huge. the right guy to do it. He's identified that guy. And if that guy's not there at first, because I think Houston's style is hard to learn at first, he's able to keep that player, keep them in his program, yeah. and get them to buy in even more. The buy-in at Houston is great. The culture at Houston is great. And you know why they win? Because they're tougher than everybody else.
2: I that's, agree. A good point. that's a good point. I was going to throw it to one team we saw last year. Phantom, me and you were in attendance together. Uh, Villanova. And a lot of people get a lot of things confused. What is toughness? Houston does a lot of tough stuff. They're a team that does a lot of tough stuff. Villanova does tough stuff. Now, how that's going to carry on with Neptune at the helm is going to be interesting to see. But to go into a place like the dunk, Not even so much as raise an eyebrow to the fans. Not just stare a hole through your heart and go and take a win is what Villanova does. Look at Eric Dixon, who we doubted. Now, excuse me, hold on, hold on. Another one that I called, another one that I called when Villanova lost to UCLA at Pauly. I said, you know what? Eric Dixon does a pretty good job. That is a tough, tough, tough sucker. He's undersized, he guards, he's always in the right spot. It took everything I had not to put him on first-team all-defense in the Big East, just be, not necessarily because his stats are there, mm-hmm. but because he's always in the right spot. That's Great. what Villanova does. That's toughness, to be in the right spot every single time, to go into tough environments like the dunk. I'm not calling it the amp. Was it, the amp? I'm not calling it the amp. That no. place is the dunk. It's the dunk. It's never changing in my heart. It's the dunk. So that's what we're going to call it from here on out. When you go into a place with that kind of environment, there's no show of emotion until the game is already off, and then you just go and shake hands and take your butt back to the hallway. Like that's tough to always be in the right spot, even when the emotions are higher, and, they, and always do the right things. That's tough. Villanova was tough, so yep. Houston's
1: obviously tough. Villanova's yeah.
2: there.
3: And who beat Houston in the tournament?
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, I would From vote over. for. I would vote for Houston to be the toughest team. Personally, uh, I do just want to give a shout out to Armando Baycott. I will never question that dude again after seeing him play, uh, play the way that he did through a pretty nasty ankle sprain um, in the national title game. He he's yeah. He raises Armando-
2: that entire team's level of toughness because I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say they've got the toughest guys either.
1: No, they don't. But Ar- I, Armando Baycott is up there among the toughest dudes that that you're going to find. A badass. Yeah. in college basketball. All right, uh, two more. I want to know from you guys who you think the most underrated team right now is. We've all seen preseason top 25 projections. We've all seen uh, different Outlets put together their their projections for who's going to win certain leagues. I want to know who you guys think is the most underrated team right now in college basketball. Tio, I'm going to you first. No, go,
2: go to Fanta first because now i got to rethink some of these things. Yeah,
3: okay. go ahead, Fanta. I'll yeah. go to the ACC. They still won over 20 games last season. That's Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers. Virginia fell off the radar as a result of the Atlantic Coast Conference struggling during the regular season last year and lacking a lot of depth. And that's okay, but that was last year. This is this year. Virginia brings basically everybody back. Jaden Gardner is a high-level player who has versatility. He can score the ball in a variety of ways. And for a Virginia program where offense has been hard to come by at times, and last year, don't get me wrong, UVA's offense struggled again. I think having the returning players that they that they have I think being able to say to Kihei Clark and Reese Speakman, you've been in these situations before now it's time for you two to take us to another gear Armand Franklin back as well they made a, a couple of nice additions over the offseason Tony Bennett worked the portal a little bit I think Virginia right now is viewed as a team that's like 20 to 30 in college basketball that if I saw them guys in January or February at 12 or 13 in the country, it wouldn't surprise me at all because I thought that team had to swallow their lumps last year. But we know one thing in college hoops. When you've got returning experience, you're going to be able to build. That team still won 21 games last season. They missed the tournament. The ACC wasn't good. I like Virginia. I like Tony Bennett. I trust him to not have back-to-back years without making the big dance after they made seven in a row. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I I can't
2: disagree with that. I just went through all the teams that I've already done. Virginia is that team. I have them picked second in the Atlanta coast. And it's largely because last season, when you watch them play, uh, it seemed like they were just a year away. Like they had Reese Beekman, who's really, really good. They had a young man named Caden Shedrick, who I think is a very good player, but seemed to be a year away. Like they're now here. It's now time for Virginia to be good. And, after Armand Franklin had a really poor year from three last year, he came from Indiana shooting over what was it, 40% from three. He shot in the 20s last year. This isn't typical. And sometimes it takes guys to kind of adjust to playing that slow. Like that's an issue. And that's coming from the Big Ten to going to Virginia and then playing that slow. I think he'll be better. Jaden Gardner's proven to be a really good scorer despite being undersized at 6'6, 250 pounds. He's a horse. Virginia falls into that toughness category too because they just continue to do all those tough things consistently. I think Armand Franklin could have a better year. Reese Beekman, though uh, is special, and they have a lot of other guys too that can get it done. Yeah, uh, Isaac McNeely's a, a name to keep an eye on too. Bigger guard can shoot the ball at a high level. Uh, young kid played, I want to say for Wildcats Select out of Pittsburgh. Tough note, tough, hard nosed kid can shoot the basketball. Play both guard spots. Uh, Virginia's got guys. Go ahead. Two
3: other things. Ben Vanderplas from Ohio quality transfer, and they have a top 15 recruiting class. So you have all this coming back and you have one of the better recruiting classes in the country. One of Tony Bennett's best recruiting classes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of momentum, but it's kind of quiet because they did miss the tournament last year. And they're not one of the biggest name brands, but guys that program won a national championship three years ago. They're going to be back.
1: Mm -hmm. So I I don't hate the Virginia call. I went with a a team that's got a new head coach this year, uh, a new old head coach. I think Xavier is a team that a lot of people are not (coughs) talking enough about when it comes to just how good they are. They were, from a talent perspective, a top 20 team the last couple of seasons, right? If you Mm -hmm. look at what is Mm -hmm. on the floor and what they have at their uh, disposal, I think that uh, Sean was smart in, in who he brought in to replace Paul Scruggs. I think that Suli Boom is going to be a guy that can create offense for him. The transfer they got coming in from uh, from from UTEP, who also happens to have like one of the best names that you can find in college. Suli Boom. Are you kidding me? I cannot wait for Fanta to be on the broadcast when that dude hits a big three.
0: Boom!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, They got a couple freshmen coming in that I think are going to be really, really impactful players. Uh, Dez Claude is a guy that is going to get a lot of attention uh, this season and rightfully so. Um, the staff is very, very excited about him. I think that Colby Jones is ready to take the leap that we all thought he was going to make at the start of last season. He was uh, he was probably the best player in the NIT for five years uh, or uh, for five games on the stretch as they won the NIT. And well, he was players, he was he
2: was the most outstanding yeah. player. I mean, he was. The best yeah,
1: player. he was the best player in the NIT. Um, I think that I love Jack won- Nunji, too. Yeah. Jack Nunji's <sighs> a great piece. I think that Sean is going to be the kind of personality that can get the best out of Zach Fremantle, Mm -hmm. right? And if he's not going to get the best out of Zach Fremantle, then Zach Fremantle is not going to be a distraction. And I don't think that they have to have Zach Fremantle be at his best for them to be at their best. I think that it's very possible for them to be able to put three wings, a point guard, and Jack Nungey on the floor and be a team that can be a top 20 basketball team in America. And look, I'll tell you this much there's one thing Sean Miller knows how to do. It's how to win basketball mm-hmm. games. And I just, I got a feeling that, you know, we're not we we, when we talk about the big East standings, Creighton is a team. Everybody mentions first, then it mm-hmm. probably ends up being Villanova and Yukon in some order. No one puts Xavier in that mix. I would not be surprised. In the least, to look up in February and see Xavier right there competing with UConn, competing with Villanova, and most importantly, competing with Creighton for a Big East regular season title. There was there'd be no shock in my mind. And People then, playing, and on then them.
2: playing Arizona in the Sweet 16 game. If awesome.
1: that happens, if that happens, like, look, I, I I love Sean, and I he'll probably get mad at me if I say this, but please, <laughs> basketball gods, those are the kind of storylines <laughs> that we need in March. Sean Miller knocking Arizona out of the tournament would be un. Imagine if it's, imagine this, just imagine the scenario. We have an elite eight matchup between Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. And Sean Miller and Mm -hmm. Xavier, who has never been to a final four. Imagine Mm -hmm. Sean Miller ending Arizona's season in the elite eight and finally getting to his final four in the first year he's coaching after Arizona fired him. That is like, those are the, we need to please basketball gods. If I could ask for one thing, we need Sean Miller knocking Xavier out of the NCAA tournament this year.
3: Knocking Arizona.
1: I got, I got, you need Sean I, Miller knocking Arizona out of the yeah. NCAA tournament this year. I had to make sure I get it right for our social clip. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
2: I got two more teams real quick now that I've gathered my thoughts. I, um, I said,
1: I legitimately yeah. said in the rundown, T.O., you get one. I two. know,
2: I, dude, I, one. There team. is reasons, there is reasons I couldn't get to it. I, I told you that all poor, poor Rosie. Poor Rosie. Rest oh, in peace. Oh, jeez.
1: R.P. Rosie.
2: Yeah. Poor Rosie. Okay. First of all, okay, dog but in. hold on I a
3: second. I'm sorry wait a minute are you make you know here you knew exactly what you were doing there you're gonna start laughing your face is turning bright red you just basically told rob you basically just told rob the equivalent of you're an asshole okay and 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 she might she might be gone but rosie just said go fuck yourself that's
2: right all right two teams two teams one for the big east butler butler Rob, you brought this up to me and Fanta wasn't a huge believer at first. And then I took a deep dive into the roster They needed two things from last year they were terrible at. One, they needed three-point shooting. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the Big East. They add Eric Hunter Jr. from Purdue, who shot north of 40% last year, and Ali Ali, who might be one of the most underrated transfers in the country. Six seven six eight can really score it, can really shoot it, can guard multiple positions in that league. Then they added Manny Bates, and they also added Jalen Thomas, a Georgia State transfer. Both of those guys are high-level rim protectors. That's what they needed. And whenever you – it's like when you – you look at a car and you're like, ah, eh, it's an okay car. And then you pop the hood and you're like, oh, well, that piece is nice. That piece is nice. Oh, that fits together perfectly. That piece is nice. Don't be surprised. Thad Mata gets it going at Butler. Uh, Alabama, we're not talking enough about either. And w- there's two teams in the SEC right now that are getting a lot of the love, and that's Arkansas and Kentucky, and rightfully so. But a guy that I think could be an All American, uh, a freshman All American, is Brandon Miller. This dude, is special and if guys they love seen him they them,
1: love him down there they, oh they absolutely God. love him
2: he is so good and within the context and the flow of an offense that that they like to run down there and it's up tempo and shooting threes and you can mm-hmm. use big wings offensively that dude's special at 6'9 200 pounds tennessee native no big deal went to alabama i'm just gonna throw that piece in there they also have the number one ranked point guard in the country coming in uh high school wise Jaden bradley who they're going to need to be good while uh quinterly inches his way back to full health you know who yeah, they're
1: I really think. excited about they're really excited about mark sears the kid i was about to bring him
2: up next he was from ohio. at ohio yeah. last year you know why uh, good player because
1: he's a beast he can he, he can, can stroke it man he can stroke it they're really excited they, they they are excited about him and honestly like i would not be surprised if javon quinterly comes back and doesn't doesn't earn a starting spot back and doesn't get priority point guard minutes back because I think Mark Sears is going to step in and be exactly what you need mm. out of the point guard spot and then NATO at all. And they, NATO I, I
2: also think it's important to re- remember that they have played basically two point guard-sized dudes over the past few years. Yeah. Like yeah Jay Bradley. And Mark Sears are going to they fit together well. Jaden Bradley's really good too, guys. Yeah. Like always makes the right read. Big body, 6'3", buck, buck 85 at the point guard spot. Him beside I, I will Sears.
1: say this, though. I will say Pretty this good. about that. Pretty good. I will say this about that. When Alabama was at their absolute best was when they had Herb Jones essentially playing the point with four other dudes that were between 6'4 and 6'6 six, six on the perimeter and a rim protector. They, yeah. they were at their best when they were the number three defense in college basketball. And you can't yeah. – like, you're never – Herb Jones was utterly unique on that end of the floor. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to, like, replace – there's a reason why the dude stepped into the NBA and impacted right away. He's He was special. You're not going to replace that. But I do think that there's an element when it comes to Brandon Miller's ability to allow you to he play a little bit bigger and more switchable. And I think he's also someone that, that – for the almanac, I interviewed Nate Oates for the, for the, the preview – And he was shameless plug. Well, yeah, another shameless plug. Um, He was very adamant that this group, in part led by Miller, in part led by some of the new additions, was much more about Alabama than they were about. I need to get mine to help Alabama win. If that makes sense, so I think that that buy-in. There's a lot of buy-in on that team that makes sense. All right, Uh, let me uh, throw this
2: out there. Let me early prediction. Brandon Miller could be now. Nah, it's not fully a prediction, but could be the highest draft pick by the time it's all said and done out of the SEC. Uh, um,
1: the only reason I disagree no. is I'm I'm on I am on the Nick Smith bandwagon.
2: Arkansas man, you I can. think he's you can you can disagree. Go ahead and disagree.
1: Well, no, I just I think that <laughs> I think that Nick Smith is. I'm pretty good. good at these. No, no, you are good, which is makes me kind of like. Well, I'm, I'm first First and foremost, I'm on the, the Brandon Miller hype train. I think that he is a I, – I see him mocked kind of in like the 10 to 14 range, and I think that he'll end up being a top five pick. But I also think that Nick Smith is like
3: – there's a
1: non-zero chance that he could end up being like the best college basketball draft pick this year. Quick twitch is a big thing in the NBA. Yep.
3: You know, I just get pissed off. I get pissed off had North Carolina hung on. I could have done victory laps around – both of you guys all off season long because I was the only guy that was ballsy enough to say coach K's career was going to end. And then freaking North Carolina made me run and get a bloody nose. I still mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, by right, the way, most, by the way right.
2: Childress never
1: ran. He, RC didn't run. He's 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 63 years old these days, man. Look, oh, not, this is not, this I is like not that. RC crossing people over, staring them down. He's an old man now. He is an old man. Like we have we have young kids. Clip this. Clip this. Yeah. Whoever's
2: supposed to clip this, yeah, clip he, this and send it direct yeah, to RC. Old, he
1: is an old man right now. He just doesn't have he doesn't have the motor anymore. He doesn't have the juice. I, honestly, like I, I don't even think RC could shoot it anymore.
2: <laughs> that's that's what doesn't leave. Yeah. That's what doesn't leave. He's still good to go.
1: Um all right, most overrated team in the country. TO, you go first. God. Um you, here. Let, you know what? Let me go first. Yeah, go. Oh and so i don't think this is because i
2: haven't read anybody else's like pre i haven't read the that's good
1: i don't want i don't want you to be influenced by anyone else's stuff so it, here's my thing i i don't think that this is going to be a bad basketball team but i i've seen them ranked in the preseason top 10 i've seen some of the hype getting a little bit out of control um i think that they are they are a top 25 team i think they are a team that will be in the top four of the Big 12, and I think that they're a tournament team that has a chance to get to the second weekend. I can't see them on the same level as a Kansas. I can't see them on the same level as a Baylor, and that is the University of Texas. I think <laughs> I think the issue that you're going to run into, again, is some of the same issue that they had last year when it comes to the shooting, when it comes to the floor spacing. I know that they added Tyrese Hunter. I don't think Tyrese Hunter is the piece that they were necessarily missing right you're adding another guard that can really really guard and really really defend and get up in you and he's not necessarily known for his ability to space the floor Um, I think you're betting on Marcus Carr to make a big jump and be a guy that can help you win basketball games and we've never seen him be an uber productive player that can help you win basketball games and as much as I know the staff loves Dylan Deese and I think that there's a non-zero chance that after everything he went through heading into last season, now that he's healthy, he can be a guy that can come in and have a big year. But if he doesn't have a big year, what are we getting out of them at the five spot? What are you getting out of them? Their best, their their most impactful player that's coming in is another guy, Dylan Mitchell. Terrific, terrific defender, terrific athlete not a guy that is going to space the floor, not a guy that's going to make offense easier for people. So I see this Texas team as once again being a team that ends up being like a top 10 defense in the country has long stretches where they struggle to score. And I see them being more of like a five, six seed as opposed to a two, three seed, which is where i see seeing them being projected heading into the season.
3: Banta, hmm. to go ahead. I am going to go with Tennessee because I'm seeing them hover around the top 10 nationally. And guys, I think they're more of like a top 15 to 20 team. I think they're, they're more like, I'd put them like 18 or 19, Uh, but they're hovering around 11 or 12. And no, it's, it's not because when I look at Tennessee uh, that I, I, I see a bad team, but, and it's not because Kennedy Chandler is no longer there. It's because I don't know how they are that much better. Offensively, this upcoming season, Rick Barnes teams have been some of the best defensive teams in college basketball the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure back to back Ken Palm, top 10 defensive efficiency teams in the past couple of seasons. And they have finished in the top 10 to 15 in three of the last four years. Defense isn't a question with Tennessee basketball. There are two questions how are they scoring the ball effectively? And to follow on that, how much does an inability to score the basketball consistently hurt them in March? It has hurt them a lot. Rick Barnes and Tennessee have struggled to put together the run in March. So I am both forming this opinion on lack of performance when it has mattered most as a result of, I, I like Sakai Ziegler. Santiago, Santiago Vescovi is, is going to be one of the best guards in the SEC. Vescovi. Vescovy is one of the best guards in the SEC. Don't feel bad about that
2: one, Fanta. He's changed his own pronunciation like four times.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know
2: Vescovy, he has. Vescovy, It depends on what mood he's in.
3: I'm just, I just am not as bought <laughs> you, in as others think, are on Tennessee. I, I,
1: think, I think we should start calling, I, I think this year, John, you need to start going as Fanta instead of Fanta. You need to be Fanta. Got to put the the, the right and fastest on the correct syllable.
3: Yeah. To did you play with a did you have a teammate who changed his last name like once during his career at least? Yeah. Yeah. They, this happens all the freaking time. The, the The point is, my answer is Tennessee, guys, because I just don't know. Uh, I, I Josiah Jordan James, I think, is a quality piece for them. Olivier, how do you pronounce his last name? Camois. Now, did you do the Tennessee preview for the Almanac?
1: I did. I absolutely did do the Tennessee preview <laughs> for the Almanac, and I so I for the for the most part, I agree. But I do think, and and if down the stretch of last season, uh, before he got hurt, there was a period of time for about six to eight games where Olivier Komal really kind of like became the best player and one of the most important players on that team. And I think if he can develop into being that guy that they can use as a stretch four if they want to play oh. the big fellow Euros Eurosh Plavsic at the five, or can play a small ball five role and let you get some of those those more talented wings on there. Um, I think that he's the the key. But can he also Phillips? he he had like one three or four week stretch where he was really, really, really good. And beyond that, it's just kind of been like okay. So if he can end up being that guy, then I think Tennessee has a ceiling. Um beyond that, I think you're you're making you're making a lot of good points, Fanta.
2: Memphis it's is with overrated. the wrong pronunciations. <laughs> Memphis, Memphis is overrated.
3: Okay. I don't so? re- I don't
2: need a reason why.
3: <laughs> well, wait. I was going to say they're
2: not even they-
1: like rated. No one hasn't even ins- ranked. Memphis not even a preseason. Nah, it doesn't matter. Team. Memphis is
2: overrated. It doesn't matter. Memphis is overrated. <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, no, uh, one team that I'm, I'm I don't. They spent a lot of money on this team, but I'm not sure how good they're going to be. <laughs> is Miami. I like they spent a lot of money for Nigel Pack. like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And is he a first-team All-League guy? Eight hundred thousand dollars sure seems to say so. <laughs> but like, like
3: I agree with that.
2: Yeah, Norchad Omier, uh, Ar- like yeah, yeah. Arkansas tra- State transfer. Like he met, got all his points and buckets by beasting people in that league. He's not going to be able to do that in the ACC. Mm. But like, that's kind of an interesting fit too. Uh, they still have Isaiah Wong. They still have high-level shot creators. Pack's a good player. Or Peck Pack, he's a good player. It's just a matter of, are they worth the money? And if when you're forking out cash
3: like that, you better make a final Whoa, four. Wait. Hey, hey, you just said on this show, it got lost on the show. I'm surprised yeah. Rob didn't react. You have, I'm guessing you got North Carolina one. You said that you think Virginia's number two in the ACC. That right. means Duke's number three. No, uh, so, so to spend the amount of money they have, what Miami's going to be fourth or fifth? I got Miami fifth. Fifth, they spent too fourth. much money to be fifth.
1: Yeah, who's fourth? I got Virginia Tech. Do so you have Duke third? You have Duke behind? Yeah, Virginia. Duke third. Duke third. Interesting. Just that's because interesting.
2: It, it's so young, first year head coach. There's going to be some. There's going to be some things that's going to put them there during the ACC season, like. They might win the ACC champion like tournament. They're they're gonna Damn. they're gonna
1: lose some they're gonna lose some in December yeah. or January. You're like exactly what right. Them? That's
2: that that's my whole. I'm thinking about the whole thing, not necessarily who's the best one. I also Damn think if- Carolina. Carolina is gonna have a lot of the same problems that they had. They're gonna get bored in January. They're gonna lose some games because nobody none of their backcourt defended at all. They just decided to defend in the NCAA tournament. You yep. if you go back and look at those stats, that was their hang-up the entire year. Their backcourt, like, were they tough enough to guard? They didn't guard anybody. They lost at home to pit, but like. A bunch. So, like, if what Carolina are you going to get? They're very good. is very good. I think they're properly rated. But if they don't guard, it could go the wrong way in a hurry.
3: Did you Duke fans hear that Terrence doesn't think you guys are finishing first or second this upcoming year? I
2: just said that they could win the tournament championship. ACC, ACC champions are de- determined by the tournament. Yeah, and not the the other, the other are you afraid, are
3: afraid of, of those people? Are you afraid of them? Not in the least.
2: They can bring it over here. They know where to find me. Come on with it. You come on with it.
3: Oh man, that's good. Because if, if I'm not
2: scared to put Ben Gay on Patrick Ewing's knees, ain't <laughs> <they're laughs> scared of a Duke fan. fan. I can promise you that. Who's hey, winning in a fight? Duke
3: off. fans or Clemson fans? There's huh? there's
1: there's one thing I will say about Who's this, show is that is uh, that you you don't have you don't have much. Uh, not much intimidates you. No, not much no. intimidates you. You're one of those guys where when, uh yeah, you feel like talking, he's like, yeah, he's probably seen a lot of shit in his life. So, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yep. bingo. Yep.
1: All right, fellas, this is fun. Um, Always enjoy hanging out with you guys. This went about an hour and 25 minutes long, which was this
2: was a good one. Don't split long.
1: it up. I'm not going to split it up. It's, all, it's just going to be it's just going to be a behemoth. So. Uh, for Terrence Ogles before John Fant. if you're still listening, uh, one, thank you. You're insane. Uh, two, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, hit that rate button, hit that review button. Do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. And we'll see you guys again, probably not next week, but I'm assuming at least the week after. We're going to start rolling out some real deal season preview content here
2: very soon. Hire T.O. You.